All right, we are back, everybody. We are with episode 17 here with Words with Walner. Of course, we have John Walner, who's Chicago's personal injury law firm. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah. Now in episode 17, we're extraordinaire. Yeah. We start out with the first yeah, one. Yeah, you were just, just you were okay down where? here. <laughs> we're going to get you way up here by the end of all this. Okay. And um, of course, we have a guest today as well. Um, and it's uh, Frank Calabrese uh, is here to join us today. And uh, Frank, why don't we learn a little bit about you? I, we know you worked for Walner Law. Yes, yes. started out, but uh, talk a little bit about that, and then talk about what you're Let doing. Let him talk now. about what he's, where he came yeah. from before Walner Law, and, yeah. and what he's doing continuing. Because for Walner Law, he was a superstar. <laughs> he was, uh, yeah. But we couldn't pay him enough. His salary <laughs> demands were crazy. <laughs> so um, I, I worked in. Uh, kind of Chicago politics, which I you know, found really interesting. You know, growing up, you watch the news. And um, you know, I got to, you know, I used to, I worked, one of my friends ran for alderman and he won. And after that, everyone thought that I was really smart. And so I got to work on bigger and bigger campaigns. And um, it, it was a lot of fun. Immediately before I was working for Walner Law, I was hired by the city council and I, I redrew the, the ward boundaries, you know, every 10 years. Wow. Um, and there's always a big fight and every sure. alderman, you know, they want to keep their prize um, possessions, um, you know, land developments and, and stuff like that. But um, and also during the, the mayor's election, um, because I had so much experience um, doing um, political campaigns, um, a lot of TV um you know, journalists, they kind of used me as a as an analyst for the uh, for the Chicago mayor's election. I got to be on, on TV a lot, kind of breaking down the, the results. It was yeah. A lot of fun. So um, you helped with uh, redesigning those, the the boards of districts. Tell us and about your, How does it? Wait, can I say yeah. So Frank, you know, was working for, for us and he said, Mr. Ronald, I have to leave. I said, what, right now? I said, why is that, Frank? And he said, I have, Mayor Lightfoot is requesting my presence <laughs> in this ward, in this, in this, to redraw this political map, and she's very angry with me, so I have to leave the office right now and go to her office in City Hall. It was across the street. So yeah. So how does, home. how do you make decisions on that? Where, what goes involved with making the decisions on the, on the, where so, people vote? So, so the, the census is every 10 years. Uh-huh. And um, politically, it was a big problem because the city of Chicago, it's having a big demographic shift. So the west side of Chicago and the south side of Chicago, um, they're generally losing people. And some areas like Englewood, they're losing a lot of people, where areas on the north side and the city center, they're gaining people. Mm. And so that's kind of a political shift because you're, you're, you had to remove um, a ward from the south side and bring it to the, to the, to the city center. And so as a result of the redistricting, there's one less ward on the far south side, kind of in the Roseland area, and that was moved to the West Loop. And I was kind of part of that process of, of designing, um, you know, the, those, those wards. So I, I was the guy that actually was in the room drawing them, and, and the politicians mm. would, would kind of tell me what they wanted. So I don't think you'll make anybody happy. No, no. <laughs> Except for uh, the former mayor Lightfoot, you always had to probably make her happy to a certain extent. She, she was always she was never. Now that she's out of office, I can be more. Yeah, honest, I was gonna I say guess. you yeah, can open but, up. But, but yeah, she, she was not a. She was never very happy. <laughs> you know, what I mean, so all, all uh -huh. the kind of the news reports of her kind of being a unhappy, angry person. The other, I, I found that very accurate. So. <laughs> so tell us more about the political landscape in Chicago. So it, it's kind of a contact sport here. You know, um, it's it's. 
politics, you know, we, we don't have Hollywood here. We have kind of local politics. And, you know, the, the mayor's election, um, you know, a few months ago, it was, it was really engaging. You know, you have really high engagement, high, high voter turnout. Um, and it kind of a surprise ending. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, when you looked at the very beginning, um, I think a lot of people didn't think that Brandon Johnson was going to win at the very end. But, but, but he did. And he, I think I thought he won pretty significantly. So. Yeah. What was the, sure. just out of curiosity, I've always wondered this, I never had someone with your expertise to discuss <laughs> with me, but what were the voters' issues that Paul Vallis wasn't elected, or how did that work out at the end? Because I thought before the election it was neck and neck between Vallis and Good Johnson. Question. Right, yeah. So tell us what, what so, the constituents were telling you who voted. For. It's a lot of, like, um, kind of cultural identity. So, you know, so Paul Vallis, he, he's, he kind of talks... You know, not like the, the uh, would-be mayor of a big liberal city. You know what I mean? He he kind of had some some, again, you know, it's kind of talking points you might find on on Fox News, and it, it didn't do well. So he won areas that you would expect him to win, right? He won kind of like the southwest side, the northwest side of Chicago, um, areas that are more socially conservative, moderate. A lot of police live there, but he had trouble um, on the north side of Chicago, like Lakeview. Um, you know, he a lot of people thought he would do decent in Lakeview. He he lost Lakeview. He he lost Uptown. Um, so and he did terrible, like in the Logan Square area. So you know, a lot of the more liberal Chicago voters, they were more kind of attracted culturally. Um, they felt that Brandon Johnson shared their values more. So age maybe had a little bit of an effect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Age was a huge thing. So I was getting some frantic phone calls from from the Val's people about uh, my thoughts on. Um, the turnout based on age, and so on the north side, you had a lot of younger voters voting, and the, the and though they voted for Brandon Johnson, they did not, you know, that's my age group, and yeah, um, you know, my kind of social group that was heavily um, Brandon Johnson. So if, if Brandon Johnson wants to be continue to be mayor in four years, what what does he need to do? So I think so. Lori Lightfoot, if you remember, she won winning every ward in 2019. She won with like 74%, but then she loses re-election. And, and that's because, um, you know, she didn't do a very good job of governing by building coalitions, you know what I mean? And she just kind of wasn't very likable in, in the sense, and, you know, she had some issues there. Um, so, you know, I think Brandon Johnson needs to kind of focus on building coalitions. Um, you know, he was elected um, into office um, largely by the, his support of liberal activists, um, with who had a lot of enthusiasm, gave him a lot of support, brought up brought a lot of vote. But you know, to be a successful mayor, um, you know, he has to kind of widen that coalition. Um, and you know, so not every one of his kind of liberal activist roots goals, I don't think he'll be able to accomplish. But so I just think he should accomplish the ones that are most important to him. And I think that would be very successful. So, can I ask one question, just yeah, out of curiosity? Yeah. And why was the voter turnout one of the lowest in the history of Chicago? So, actually, it was one of the highest. You're so, kidding. Yeah, so I thought it, only wasn't it like twenty two percent? No, it was, it was in the mid thirties. So okay, it was um, it was the highest since the eighties. Okay, but it's it's just a trend. So so in the eighties, just culturally, just kind of everyone voted. It, it, it kind of it's been going down since the 80s, but it's just not Chicago. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a nationwide. But it was, the, the vote turnout was actually pretty high. Initially, people thought the vote turnout was lower 
because there was so much um, vote by mail. Because of the pandemic, vote by mail has been much more popular. So. Well, and I think, too, that it was it was really a it was a close race. Right. So in yeah. the end, you could argue that only 16 percent of the population voted for Brandon Johnson in this election. If it was truly at 30 percent and he won around 16, maybe 17 percent. So um, I think there's some argument out there to say it is a low turnout when only you know, 16 to 70 percent of the population of Chicago actually voted for Brandon Johnson. Yeah, right? he, he won by five points, which I, I think is. Again, it's not overwhelming, but yeah. I, th- I think it's significant, especially because of his candidacy, which, you know, he was a progressive activist candidate. You know, he was a, an ideological Are you saying candidate. DeSantis wouldn't be his kind of guy? <laughs> no. Is <laughs> Brandon Johnson so, woke, whatever that right. means? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, again, the, the, what, what does woke even mean? I have no idea. Days, yeah. right? But he's, he <laughs> definitely considers himself um, progressive, uh, uh, maybe even leftist, you know, to, so to, to run... Um, that type of campaign, and to win significantly, I think it's significant. So, so as an analyst, uh, what it, what are you doing right now? How is that you know, without really anything brewing as an election? How do you keep yourself busy? Or are you already kind of in the works of looking at the next the next thing? Yeah, I, I'm talking to some people. Um, I think the biggest race that's coming up is the state attorney's race. So um, Kim Fox is the current state attorney. Of Cook County, uh, which includes Chicago, is not running for re-election. Um, you know, she's been in the news a lot for for various things. But you know, the state's attorney's office—it's very important because they, you know, it's the state's attorney has essentially unlimited discretion in how they prosecute crimes. So, who the state's attorney is—it's—it's um, it's very consequential. Do we know who's running in that race. So th- there, there could be. Um, a lot. At this point, there's a person called Clayton Harris third, um, who is kind of looking like he's filling the, the Kim Fox legacy. And then there's a, um, a recently retired judge. By the way, you can't be in Chicago with a great <laughs> sounding horn right. of a train going I by. Love I, 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 I love that. I the train. train was about to come in this building. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there is um, a judge who recently retired from the appellate court. Her name's Eileen Burke. Um, Joe Ferguson is thinking about running. He's the former um, city inspector general. So it's, it'll be interesting, but I think in terms of local races for um, 2024, the state attorneys, far and away going to be the most important and consequential race. So in, light of, in light of you discussing all these candidates and who they represent, what were your, the, the, constitu- the constituents of the aldermanic races in the neighborhoods that you were canvassing, what was their concern in the city of Chicago, was it the price of eggs and milk or taxes or food deserts? What did you find in the communities, for example, that we had a guest in our previous episode? I think yes. it was podcast number 16 Another with Sabrina King. Yeah. And you know how she, she was covering, she was talking about the back of the arts neighborhood, Pilsen, Englewood, New City, Chinatown. Like, did you ever cover those areas in your races? What, their, what were their constituents' biggest problems? What did they want addressed? During the election, I was kind of out a lot, and also I follow the polling very closely. Um, you know, there was a lot of polling for the mayor's race, and all the polls said that crime, you know, but by and far was, was the most important issue. Um, you know, a lot of these neighborhoods experienced, um, because of the pandemic and kind of some social change during the pandemic, a very significant uptick in, in crime, um, you know, whether it be violent crime or, you know, a car thefts. Um, stuff like that. So, 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 so th- that was the the number one issue in in terms of voters. 
Um, and that's also one of the reasons why kind of Paul Vallis um, did so well in the first round, because he really kind of coalesced around. That, that was essentially his only message, um, you know, early on was um, that, you know, he's going to, you know, kind of arrest people and put people in jail. And, you know, he, he kind of found a following for that. That's a huge issue in Chicago. We were facing it every day. You see right. all this. Yeah. New, even, you know, all this new police presence where it never was before mm -hmm. that um, that is affecting my visual look and in, in the safety of the city. Like I, it's it's uh, like I'm telling my kids now that like to, they love riding their bikes and walking. Mm -hmm. They are um, to get to and fro where wherever they're going. And I say, this is really crazy. I don't want you guys going out at night. This is pretty dangerous. I don't like how you're going out at night alone and not with other people to debtor the crime that may happen to you, like stealing your phone or your mm -hmm. wallet or causing harm for no apparent reason. So that is a concern that my own family has, and I can't imagine living it on a daily basis in our impoverished communities or people without means to escape these areas because of education, money, opportunities, mm -hmm. wages, holding them down, not letting them advance as you as you were talking about the south side being decimated by population movement and in your census you found that they were losing an alderman or a voice for them i think uh we the city has to tackle crime in a more aggressive manner but also give people opportunities in those communities to grow to prosper and to, be, to become leaders in their community yes yeah. so one thing <laughs> is you know john has helped people that don't have a voice in impoverished communities and many times they are they're injured for various reasons and um, he provides legal counsel um, um, for those individuals um, where maybe they may not had known that they could have legal counsel um, so um, with that said you and I had a little bit of conversation um, prior to uh, the podcast and talking about you know some of the things that when you work for vulnerable law and probate like can you share some of those stories? Because they were really just, I was blown away with the type of things that, that you did. And um, it, it, sure. it was really rewarding. Tell them what, tell them what it is <clears throat> it, it, about Probelog in, in the areas that you work for us in and, and describe what you were doing on behalf of the families where you were talking about disabled um, children or adults who were disabled, right. the, the matter. Tell us. Your understanding of probate court and what you were doing at Walnola to help these people, how they were situated. So if if you're injured, um, you know, typically, you know, John can represent you and he can get you a settlement and the check goes directly to you, right? Um, however, there there are kind of two unique situations. Well, if, if you, unfortunately, if you die, um, then we have to give that money um, to your family members. Um, and that is done through pro, through a court, which is probate court. Also, if you're under 18, um, that money goes to kind of a trust, and then you receive that money when, when you're 18 years old. And so, you know, probate, they tend to be more complex cases, because obviously when, you know, if, if unfortunately, if, if you, you know, die in, a, in an accident, that tends to be, um, you deal with more money at, at stake, and, you know, you deal with, um, it, it's, it's more complicated. Um, There's this one case, do you remember the case out of Will County? There was someone died without a will, I think the the insurance settlement was like 1.7 million or something, and he did, did not have con he died without a will, and he did not have contact um, with his children, and so I had to find his grandchildren, um, his grandchildren, his children, no, his his children actually passed, 
Oh yeah. It, it was it was his grandchildren, um, and I, I found one in Portland, Oregon, and then the other um, three were in Bloomington, Illinois, and then they worked at a, a dog daycare, and you know we, we used some investigation tools, and we were able to provide them with a substantial amount of money, um, because this family was estranged. The the, the younger uh, grandchildren didn't even know about the grandfather. Um, the, the the older um, grandchild to live in Portland did, and so that that that, that was um, kind of um, an interesting case. And then there's a lot of cases um, that I dealt with where um, minors that get significant injuries, but they recover fantastically. Um, you know, young people they just have this physical resiliency. So I'm reading these re- medical reports. You know that they break um, a few bones. You see them a year later. You know that, that they look they look like they're 100 percent. And we're able to get them, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars um, into an account what they can receive when they're 18. And, you know, um, most of the, um, of the minors that I work for, they came from kind of underprivileged backgrounds. And so it was really rewarding being able to give these kids, um, you know, a substantial amount of money that could really have a very positive impact on their life when they turn 18. You know, they can use this for, for college or for a career um, you know, extra fifty hundred thousand um, dollars when you're 18 and don't have a lot of resources um, is very significant. We've talked about this in other episodes of Walner Law. We, I always tell parents, you know, from impoverished communities that don't have much money, and the and the courts will tell this, and the judges, children do not support their parents. Okay, so if we get a million dollars in behalf of a child's injuries, or we get hundreds of thousands of dollars with the fractured femur in surgery. The parents say, oh, let's use the kids' money to pay the rent, to pay our light bill, to give us a life that we've never had before. And at Walner Law, we protect children's future. We do this on a daily basis, and Frank has had a, a hand in this, that if a child does get, for example, $500,000, we will structure this money, not to get it when they're 18, but we'll do 40, if college does cost $50,000 a year, we'll get them an annuity that will give the, them 50000 per year only for four years. And then when the child's 25, we'll give them money, 30, 35, 40. It's to protect them. One, they didn't grow up in a community that taught them finance, taught them money management, taught them any kind of the way of the future because in impoverished communities, sometimes they, they say, clients will say to me, and I'm not kidding, my, when my kid made it to 25 years old, it's a miracle. So hopefully Brandon Johnson will get this crime under control where people's lifespans will be looking beyond 21, that they will see a future and that Walner Law, when we do achieve these successful results on behalf of minors of disabled people, that they will, and I explained to them, we're going to go to court and let me tell you something, we're not going to get you a million dollars on your 18th birthday because there's a future for you. We could pay for your college and when you get married, and you have children, and you have family, you'll have money for them to go to college. But when you're in an impoverished community, in the, in the communities we were talking about with Sabrina King and on previous episodes of Walner Law, we teach them, there is a future for you. Here it is. And I, I find that richly rewarding also, and we've told Frank about this, and he explains that to the family, the power of annuities and financial settlements to pay out in the future. And, and that's a big benefit only Walner Law, that we, we're honored that people do call us to represent them. But let me tell you about a future for you. And, and also, 
when parents may not get along and it causes trouble in the household, and Frank's talking about a case where there was the kids objected to a marriage, and the 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 children of this father they did not like him, they didn't like the choices he was making in life, and they cut off all um, talking, like estrangement, with this um, their father. Unfortunately, the father did pass away in this accident, but why are the children um, entitled to money damages in a wrongful death case when it's based on love, life, and support, um, hugging and kissing of their loved ones when they were estranged and they're not with them? Because every kid has a chance to come back to their father, to come back to loved one. At 16, your hormones may say you may be angry and upset and not care to want to be with your father. But how about at 25? Don't they have a chance to reunite with their father? How about 30 and 35? Life goes on. And emotions and trouble just because of your father not loving your mother and wanting to be with another woman, the kids may not understand that. But here in this case, we have children moving out of the, the family nest, moving out of the home, no more celebrating of Christmas and New Year's and Mother's Day and Father's Day. They leave the home out of anger. In this case, we, we had an impossible time tracking down these kids, literally. We were on social media, Facebook, finding them. We used private investigators. And Frank, through his means of, of electronic communications and maybe social media, Twitter, or Instagram, how he found these people, they, we gave them, say, your father passed away without loving and hugging and kissing you, and you didn't have the chance to love and hug and kiss your father or have a phone call with him before he passed away, and that enabled us to get a huge settlement on behalf of this person that because the insurance company says hey wait a minute the people that will be getting these money the heirs of the decedent's estate never loved him never cared for him never hugged him never kissed him never had a phone call with him but it doesn't stop today you could have love and respect and care for your dad and mom in the future and we achieved a huge financial success on behalf of this decedent and his ch children and grandchildren have got the money now for the love loss that they couldn't have then. And, and we were proud to represent this family. And it, it, it did touch my heart that a family was so ripped apart and estranged over the choices that a dad made in his love life or who he wanted to be as his, as his partner for the rest of his life. And we thank you for tracking down these people. Because, by the way, if you don't have money to give these people, the money goes nowhere. That's an, uh, just incredible, and I think that you know just goes again to the um, testament that you know the work that you do, John, yeah. um, and certainly the work that you did. Can I, uh, can I just talk to you about uh, yeah. other things, Wayne? I know sure. we touched oh, yeah. on another. We'll make this the last word. It will. Okay. Uh, yeah. That w you fail to have a will in yeah. your life, you could be punished by by money not going to the direct heirs and decedents or loved ones that you wanted to go to. So I always tell about the importance of family planning. It doesn't matter how much money you have now, just a will to say, you know, upon my passing where I'd like my assets to go. Because when children, for example, die, and the father was never uh, part of life, and they do come back to court and say, hey, judge, I gave him a gift when he was six years old. I bought him pajamas, and I despise people that do that, and the courts do adjudicate the rights of those family members that did love care for their children. So that's always something I fight for the, for the children, the families of who did support this child in court. And I tell anyone, you don't get involved in your child's life and you never did, we're not going to richly reward you. Yeah. And I, so I fight for those Chi child advocate. children. And, and, and uh, yeah. 
family's important to me. And I loved how in episode 16, we had Sabrina King saying, you know what? These mothers have addictions. They're unable to care for the children. Let's empower the grandchildren to do same. And I believe that uh, even Frank and his work and getting these wards redrawn to show let's empower the people that have no power behind it because the census may have changed. Let's let's uh, have a leader that will care for these people. And Brandon Johnson, obviously, in the last election, spoke to those people who felt that crime was ruining their lives, and they saw no hope. So let's go with Brandon Johnson, who has more liberal and, le and more left leanings, and Paul Valls, who spoke on an intellectual level and above the um, capacity of understanding of the population that was looking for a leader to represent them in Chicago. So, Frank, we really thank no, you for coming thank, in and talking to us about that. politics and, yes, and thank communities you. And, and your work yeah, for exactly. Walder Law. And we appreciate sure. the work for Walder Law. We appreciate the work you're doing now on behalf of those people and those citizens looking for a voice to represent them in Congress and in the city and in their neighborhoods. Well, and you, you so always much. have an opportunity here for the last word. Before we end the podcast, I always <laughs> like to have you to have, uh, you know, John's kind of had his last word. What, what would you like to say? Oh, I, I just, you know, I had a really rewarding time of working for, for Mr. Walner at Walner Law. Um, you know, it was, it was just great to help, um, you know, families that really needed help. Again, like it would, the probate cases, those are the cases that tend to be the most dramatic. And, um, you know, giving, you know, real opportunities um, for, for kids that, that, you know, come from underprivileged backgrounds, um, you know, helping families when they have a loved one die. Um, it was it was just a really really rewarding time, and you know I felt like I was able to help a lot of people. Um, so it was it was it was a great time with with. Thanks, uh, Frank, for your time today. <laughs> Appreciate you coming in, man. And then, as a political analyst, how can people follow you? What what are your handles? Um, I, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm at yeah. uh, at Frank Calabrese. Um, You know, I'm I'm online. You can find me on Instagram and stuff. But I, I have my own website. I call it. Big Shoulders Consulting. Um, but me, my, my, I have a day job now. I. Uh, I, I do, um, I adjudicate uh, tax appeals for, for Cook County, so I, I'm not as involved as politics as I was a few months well, ago. Let's lower the taxes, put more money in everyone's <laughs> pocket, right? Right, right, right. So. Well, that's great. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for joining. I thought it was a really interesting conversation we had, and, and it just goes to show you just how politics also get rolled into certainly personal injury law, and we do thank you, Frank, for, for joining us. And again, um, you know, reach out to John if you have any um, questions about um, personal injury law. And then, of course, please follow Frank. Uh, he is a great, uh, great, has great insight, as you can tell, into Chicago politics. And, um, and so we do appreciate that. And we'll see you next time.